live? Yeah, you have a ticket? Uh, nah, nah, I forgot, man. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Jesus. Well, where are you going? Uh, Boston. 1375. Go to Boston. Here, dick. I could charge you extra. Graffiti in the morning, the world turning. Brainstorming, for sure, a forewarning. Good morning, I'm sorry. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Good to see you back here in Boston. Hope the uh, ride-in wasn't too bad. Uh, this will be episode number one. And I apologize because I don't really want to go over a 15-20 minute marker. But this one's going to be a little bit long today. Um, and I also want to just give a heads up because this episode is not going to be doom and gloom. But it is going to be talking about some touchy subjects. Um, I personally uh, faced some traumatic experiences and some of which are death and suicide. So if these are touchy subjects for you, don't worry. Feel free to back out. There's going to be other episodes that aren't, you know, talking about these subjects. But this is something that helped um, kind of shape who I am currently. And I do want to help others that are in my shoes and are walking down this path and having to deal with something. Um, So I would like to shed some light on it and hopefully help someone out so they don't have to completely go down the path that I did. Now, um, I'll start off with a quote uh, from Benjamin Franklin that I just came across. It said, some people die at 25, but they are not buried until 75. Um, This means basically something inside of you has died. You feel differently, but you're not dead. You're physically still here, you're alive still, Um, especially by medical standards, heart is pumping, lungs are breathing, brain still is activity, etc. But this remains that way until the age of 75, when Ben says you're basically, your body breaks down, your organs no longer function, and officially you you die. Now, I kind of at first had a hard time understanding that until I experienced what I experienced on April 25th, 2019. And that is a day where I felt like personally I died. Now, the morning of the 25th was like any April day. I woke up, I uh, started to get ready for work, um, wanted to get everything done for the, the day ahead of me. I had an evening shift that day at work, um, and I had a couple things I wanted to get done for my clothing brand. Uh, a little after, I want to say 10 o'clock, maybe 11, I received a phone call from my father. Now, it's unusual for me to talk on the phone to my dad. Normally, we do that in person, but um, he called me this morning, and he seemed very sad, and that's not something I'm used to him sounding like, but he just said, hey, I just want to let you know that Harry's gone, and I said, Harry's gone? Like, very confused, you just trying to digest what he's saying like one I'm like who's Harry where are they gone like are they going on vacation like where are they going seems silly I know but that was the first thought I have because I just didn't expect what I would hear next but my father started to cry and that's not something I had seen really since I mean he cut off his finger at his at his uh, business when I was younger and he was, you know, screaming, and obviously that was very traumatic. But he stopped, and he just said, you know, my uh, 
uh, my cousin came home and she had found her, her husband after he had took his life. Um, and just like that, that accident. And I remember being there watching my father in the pain he was facing. I once again stood there in shock. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom what he had just said. I froze. I think I dropped to my, to the ground. Um, it felt like someone had taken a knife and just shoved it right in my chest and cut me right down the middle. Um, it honestly was one of the worst pain, pains I'd, I'd felt in a while. Um, unfortunately, I wish I could say that it was the only time, but it's happened at the passing of one of my grandfathers and even sometimes with some of my friends that have been so close. But it's, it's a horrible feeling to lose someone, especially that impacts your, your life the way Harry did. Um, and I mean, that was something I never could say to him. I, I mean, as guys, you know, we're not the ones that are going to share our, our feelings and tell people that, you know, they mean something to us. But I can tell you honestly that this was something that he should have, he should have known. And I should have said to him, you know, you hold some sort of importance in my life and I appreciate, um, what you are trying to teach me, even though it's not like a direct thing. It's just, I'm kind of living by his example and the things he does. Um, it's, it's always horrible, you know, losing someone, like I said, but it, it, it's really the biggest, uh, the biggest impact when it's someone that had some sort of, uh, you know, inspiration over your life. Now, I want to fast forward. Um, I'll jump to the funeral services. When uh, Harry was uh, buried, I, I spoke in front of everyone. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't able to tell him this, but I thought at this point, this is the last chance um, I'll have, and I need to, I, I want people to know um, this, this was important, so I wanted to share this, but I basically, I talked about how he inspired myself and, and so many people around him. Um, I went on, and this is going to be kind of like a quote from what I wrote, but I just said, when I was, I believe, about 10 or 12, Brandy brought you over uh, my dad's house, and I remember looking at you, and I thought you were the fucking coolest dude, like, literally was covered in tattoos, seemed like a real badass dude, like, someone that didn't take crap from anyone, and, I mean, yeah, that's what face value, you know, Harry was, that's what he looked like, a real badass dude, but the thing was, he was much more than that, and you would only, you know, realize that once you got to know him, um, and I feel like that's very much something I, I not only, you know, sympathized with, but I empathized, like, I could feel that, I felt like people felt the same way about myself, um, like, he was he was judged solely for what people saw of him and not really who he was um but you know he was one of the best best people to be around honestly so enjoyable he always had these hilarious stories about things and his laugh is what made these stories just like so much better even to this day i can still hear him laughing and like i can't even when I when someone mentions like him and his laugh, I just I, I laugh like I can literally hear him. Um, he was a hardworking 
hardworking guy. I mean, he didn't just come home after, you know, a tough day at work and come home and chill. He continuously sought out knowledge and he was always bettering himself. Like he was learning a new language every time I turned around, Spanish or Italian. And he even talked about trying to like learn Mandarin and I think even Japanese at one point. But these are just, you know, a couple of the things that made him unique. He wasn't just a, you know, I do one thing and that's it, kind of laid back, dude. Like he had a huge drive to him. And you could see that, especially not only in his work and how he tried to learn, but even like through martial arts and how he trained. It was it was impressive to like be around someone that had this type of motivation. Um, and that was something as a kid I was very like impressed with. Um, so obviously the hardest part that I faced was trying to accept the fact that someone that I idolized was gone. They were no longer going to be in my life and I could never say what I, I wanted to. But like I said, I at least got this out during the, the service and I'm glad I did because both my cousin and his mother seemed to really appreciate the words and a lot of people did around around me. Um, but it, what was really hard too was the fact that I had these horrible negative and very depressive thoughts after after he, he was gone. Um, I, I really would just dwell on how someone who was so strong, like not only like physically, but you know, mentally and spiritually in a sense too, would take their life. Like someone that seems so complete, I, I couldn't fathom that, you know, ever occurring. But um, it, it really just took me back. Um, he was always someone who's up for a fight and, you know, didn't back down from challenges. So, you know, if I saw that, uh, like I said, I never would expect this. Um, and that's what made it really tough. It's like sitting there and being like, how is this a possibility? Um, and it really, I don't think, made sense until one day I was, I think I was on Facebook and I, I saw this, this picture and it showed um, one of the singers from uh, Lincoln Park, Chester Bennington. Um, it has Whitney Houston on there, Robin Williams um, and Anthony Bourdain. And they're all smiling, but the caption reads, this is what depression looks like. So all this happiness that you see, this is actually the face of depression, and they're hiding the pain and trauma behind the smile. And I can't tell you that struck a huge accord with me. I finally was like, wow, I was like that, you know, even touched on some things that I had felt at some point, even though I was depressed. I never let anyone see it. But that, it finally made sense. It was like, even though he was such a complete person, it's like that there was something going on mentally that we never could see because everything else was so rounded. He was high functioning and that's what made it harder to accept. Um, you know, even his, uh, his wife was just like, you know, I never saw that. It didn't, you know, appear to me that there was going to be an issue and it, it's hard. I, I know I've seen it personally at work. Um, to get off topic for a second, I had this gentleman, he came in, I remember one of the days when I was in a hospital, and he was like, listen, I'm not doing so good, I really need to 
you know, get checked in. And I was like, oh, of course. I was like, I completely understand. I'm like, that's great that you're, you know, here to take care of yourself. So he checked in and he he got uh, admitted into the uh, psych department. He was doing well. I'd go up there and I'd see him sometimes. And he's like, hey, how are you? And he was just a really great guy. Like, you know, similar, similar to my relative. He was a real great guy. Um, and on his end, he knew he had a problem and he was addressing it. So it's like, you're like, wow, this person like knows they have an issue. They're on top of it. Like, what more can you really, you know, ask for in a person? Like, those are really good qualities to have. Um, and unfortunately, there was one day when I was off the unit and one of the um, the officers was on the uh, on the unit and he radioed in that uh, he he was just screaming. Actually, I couldn't hear. There was a bunch of commotion. And when I got back up onto the unit. Um, Unfortunately, the the gentleman that I had I had met had taken his life as well, and it was one of the hardest things to see. So, I after that event that really scarred me, um, in a way that's undescribable to see someone that it's like you had contact with that could do that to themselves. But what really made it you know that much harder was the fact that then I could empathize with my cousin because I had been in essentially her her shoes at that point. I had witnessed the same thing that she had seen and I can't tell you like that literally fucks with you. And if that doesn't, you know, seem like a part of you dies that day, I, I honestly don't know what will. But for me that was like I said, when that all hit the fan I could literally see it right before my eyes and it was one of the most hardest things I think I've ever felt and seen all at once um I honestly I I think that you know really impacted me in a negative way unfortunately um and then I kind of became that person who was high functioning but I was I was depressed um, I couldn't label myself as depressed. Um, I just tried to, you know, keep myself busy and I would just, you know, say that these realistic thoughts would, you know, come back. But the thing I, I always struggled with was being a positive person my whole life. Like I can remember being told I, you know, was negative about things and I, I need to stop thinking that way. But I had always made excuses to myself that I was just being realistic, but the thing about being realistic is it's really a shitty place to put yourself in, and I say that because being realistic is trapping yourself in a box and basically admitting defeat, saying I have no control over my situation, Um, when in fact, uh, looking at that now, I feel like that's just a way of quitting. Um, and saying that I have no choice, like this is all I can do, when in retrospect, yes, death, there's nothing you can control about it, unfortunately people are going to pass, but how you handle and how you respond to these events, you very much have control over, and that was something at that point in time, I, I couldn't, I just was like, okay, this is how it is, and I allowed it to completely, uh, you know, take control of my, my mental health. And I just had a very 
shitty outlook on life and you know even what could happen down the road I mean I still was having a hard time accepting the fact that I mean I was a you know negative or realistic person I just was like nah I'm like this is just life like I, I gotta accept it and yeah I mean it makes sense you try to just jump on it and handle it in any, any way you could but I mean in all honesty I just I refused to accept it and I didn't take action to help myself out or you know make anything better um, but one of the worst thoughts that I, I remember that cycled repeatedly through my head was how are you going to survive in life if someone who was your idol and someone who was so strong in every single way didn't make it and I think that's another thing that just like when you have these thoughts it just hits you so much harder because you kind of just you get stuck there you dwell on it um, and after that day I realized I really was no longer you know mentally attached to my physical being I pretty much felt like I was on autopilot every day just you know watching myself like it was a third person you know game like a video game um, I still woke up every day I you know exercised I, I continued to try and do MMA training but I, I just had a harsh outlook on that I obviously didn't stop eating or anything and I went to work and I tried to have you know relationships like normal but everything just didn't feel normal I really was in a state of you know like I said feeling very negative and depressed and just overall my thoughts and outlook about my future were just so horrible um, and still at this point I still couldn't you know admit to myself like hey you're being really negative like you need to step out of it and I mean I just continued to categorize everything as like oh this is just this is life like it is what it is I have no control um, I mean it hurt less to say so but in doing so like I said I just continued to trap myself um, in these repetitive thoughts um, you know every day from I don't know just training or just what I felt I felt in pain um, and I no one would know I didn't let anyone know I was in the amount of pain I did I was. I just woke up and, you know, I ached and different things hurt and I didn't always sleep well, but I just, I didn't want to share it with anyone. I didn't want to burden anyone with that. Um, another thing is too, I had always had what I like to call now is the Irish temper. We have a, can get very angry. We rage a lot. But when all this happened, I felt like my ability to control my emotions went completely like sideways. Like there was no ability for me to control things and I really really struggled with that um but I I mean I didn't I wasn't aware of it until someone in my life like pointed it out to me it was like listen this is a a problem like it's not just because you are highly competitive which I am I I hate losing so I'm highly competitive when it comes to that type of stuff but I mean just any minute like someone would say something and I interpret it as like they were taking a personal attack on me and I would just lash out. I mean I never hurt anyone I loved thankfully but it was like if you did something and you pissed me off I let you have it. And that's more so if it was someone that like wasn't a part of my, my everyday life like a stranger especially. But um, I, I really 
continue down this horrible path and I am pretty much aware that like it wasn't until I pushed some more people out of my life that meant the world to me that I finally began to realize the destructive path that I was on. This unfortunately was my my rock bottom at this point. I literally had nothing more than, you know, meaningless objects and, you know, things that are irrelevant that you can replace. Um, whereas people, obviously you can't replace them. Um, and that's what I, you know, surrounded myself with. Um, I was so desperate to be happy that I thought I could just buy my way into happiness, whether that was just, you know, material objects or even food for that matter. Cause that always was something that I, I turned to when I was upset. Like it made me feel better. Um, and I, I definitely put on, you know, weight because of it. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I ate my, my feelings, but yeah, I mean, I guess you could. It's it's taking something that's not the best thing, and that's what you're focusing and you're putting all your effort into. So I was spending and basically just completely had horrible, horrible habits. Um, I remember there was this one night I, I woke up, and it was like a horrible nightmare. I felt like someone was like trying to kill me, so... I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm not going back to sleep. So I ended up uh, heading out and uh, to my living room, and I just opened up my computer, and I turned on YouTube. And I remember I was listening to this uh, musician. Uh, it's a rapper named NF. And I sort of, after listening to his music, I sat there in reflection for a couple of hours. And I sat down, and I just wrote a, a list of things that I was, um, I, I wanted to have control over, so I felt like, you know the world I was in wasn't totally hopeless and it was a smart thing I don't know what drove me to do that but at this present moment by sitting myself down and saying okay what do I want to have control over and acknowledge it and then right next to it okay out of these things what can I actually change helped me get back to this mindset um and this was only one, the one positive thing that I can really remember, I'd always say. Um, if you have the ability to take control over something, you shouldn't complain about it. But if you can't control it, then it's completely okay to bitch about it. So, like I said, dealing with death, you don't have control over it. It's okay to bitch about it and say this sucks and, you know, because there's really nothing you can do. Um, outside of take care of yourself while you are alive and do everything to the best of your ability to prevent yourself from dying. But in the end of the day, we all are going to die at some point. And that's something you can complain about. But to sit there and complain about, you know, other things, work or school or someone's attitude, it's like you can change the situation you're in. You can escape from that. It might not seem like it's a possibility, but it is a possibility. Um, so once I, I, I sat there and I wrote through everything and I remembered that point again, I just realized I was like, you know, I have actually more control over what I perceived my issues to originally be than my mind allowed me to accept at first. Like, it was crazy to think that these positive ideas were in the same brain that these negative thoughts were also coming from. Um, I remember 
just saying like at some point like how can you be so back and forth like how can you be so split um and it wasn't until like I said when I got to certain points where I realized things and I'm going to go into these in you know more depth than other episodes but there were certain things that I once I opened up and I sat there and I read and I learned and took in more information to help explain the situation that I was going in it didn't make sense but to to jump back a little bit I remember the night after I was done with, you know, listening to music and I, I finished up with writing down the notes that I wanted to take, I, I somehow ended up on Google and I was like, Google, why is, you know, Alcohol Anonymous meetings always starting off with, hi, my name is Joe, for example, and I'm an alcoholic. Somehow I got on that topic. And as someone who, you know, studied criminal justice and sociology in college, I can attest normally labeling in this manner can have a very detrimental and negative effect on that subject being labeled. I mean, especially if it's that labels out for society to use against that specific person as well. Now, I was definitely skeptical. Like I said, it's it was hard for me to go against something that I learned, but this was trying to see things from a different way and not be so one-track minded. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this out. I was like, let's let's say this a different way. But I realized at this point, I said, you know what, let me ask my myself this very question. I was like, and let me see how I feel. So I said, all right, I am a negative person who hides behind the fact that, you know, I'm just being a realist. And I, I said it again, and I said it one more time. And by the third time, I literally was like, oh. I was like, I am that person. I am negative, and I've been hiding behind this, you know, mirror in a sense that, oh, I'm just being realistic. And I was like, literally, oh, fuck that. I was like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. That's disgusting. And as soon as I felt that disgust, like, feeling come over me, I decided just like that, that change had to happen. And... Once I decided, and believe me, like I said, I had to decide this for myself, but it made so much sense now why they use these, um, you know, labels in AA. Um, You aren't going to really want to change. You're not going to, you know, go along with this, and you're going to want to fight, even if you are, you know, a negative person. If someone tells you, you're like, I don't agree with you, I'm just, you know, a realist, or you're going to fight it. And no matter how hard you try, you're not going to change at all until you say it and speak it into existence and accept this is what what you are. Now, I'm going to step back for a second. I'm going to go over just a couple things I originally, you know, wrote down when I was thinking of this episode. Now, I understand that people will change overall for three reasons. Now, it's in spite of people that are, you know, non-believers, maybe they change for someone they love or they hit rock bottom. But the the thing that I want to emphasize is if you don't hit rock bottom, you can try to make those changes, but it's not going to be as perfect as it would be if you were doing it for your 
yourself because you want it. This is the most important thing to you. Like, it's one thing to go along because, you know, others would like it, but it's not going to be done perfectly and it's not going to be done to their level of, you know, their standard, I should say. But when you do it yourself, you're like, I'm really going to make sure that I get this done and it's going to be done right. Because as they say, if if you don't do it yourself, then, you know, who's going to do it for you? And it's not going to get done right. So by labeling it, owning up to it and saying, oh, this is my problem. I am this problem. It's going to hurt, but it's going to allow you to open up and go, okay, now this is where I, you know, I step up and I fix this. You know, like. I myself have loved to have said, oh, I've, I've made changes for people I love. And, you know, as much as I busted my ass to make those changes, it's like I feel like I didn't fully invest in it because it wasn't myself asking for this. And it, it's, it's really hard until you see it yourself. And that's what I had to emphasize about it. Until you label it yourself, it's going to be hard to get to that point. Um, unfortunately, the best teacher is, you know, pain. Without pain, there would be no suffering. Without suffering, we would never learn from our mistakes. And when you understand these things, you can kind of see that, hey, pain is, as I'm going to refer to it right now, the ultimate mirror for self-reflection. You can choose to look at it or you can choose to ignore it, but it's staring right back at you. I mean, you can let it ruin you or you can learn from it. And that's exactly what, like I said, at that present moment, I was like, I just, I decided here, this is what's going to happen. Like, it's for me now. This is on me. I'm not doing it for anyone other than myself because I actually want this because I know it's going to make my life better if I can fix this. Now, I won't let, you know, the past and negative thoughts define who I will be in the future. It was another thing that I really just tried to drill into my head. I was like, I'm not going to sit here and make these bullshit excuses. Oh, you know, I can't get this done. Um, I don't have enough time and I'm so busy with other, other things. I sat there and I was like, you know what? I get the same fucking 24 hours in a day that LeBron James get. I get the same 24 hours in a day that Bill Gates gets. I get the same 24 hours that, you know, any of these people that are so successful have. So I have the time to. It's just how I use it, and I got to use it effectively. So that was that was another tough, you know, thing to sit there and tell myself. But it made sense, and I was like, okay, I really got to focus on this. Now, it's also important that I said this to myself, listen... It's going to be hard when, you know, other people are making excuses not to make them back, but I'm only in control of myself. <laughs> like, we we get so wrapped up in, oh, you know, they did this to me and this person did that, but you can't control anyone but yourself. And even if you could control them, like I said, it's going to be a temporary thing. It's not going to be, like, you know, effective. So... Once I fully digested these things was when I was fully able to say, okay, this is this is how I do it. This is how I make the change for myself. Um, but to jump back to my, my relative for a second, this quote really 
made a huge mark on on my progress and my change over the past year. On uh, Harry's memorial card, I you know I've adapted this quote now into my life. Now I don't know who came up with it, but I, I really like it. It's very simple, but it's effective. It says, "What the caterpillar perceives is the end; to the butterfly is just the beginning." I'll read that one more time. What the caterpillar perceives is the end; to the butterfly is just the beginning. Meaning, you might look at, just like I said earlier, someone someone's gone or some situation is, you know, seems like you have no choice in the matter of it. Just because it seems like the end. Yeah, it, it it very much could be, but this is the time for you to sit there and say, okay, how can I start fresh? How can I use this as my new beginning? This is my new life now, like starting over. Just because you have those, you know, just because you died at 25 doesn't mean you have to go all the way up until you're fucking 75 and live some piss poor, miserable life. Like we have control over this. And this is one of the this is one of the things that we need to understand. Like everyone needs to understand. There's going to be shit times. It's not going to be picture perfect. It's not going to be easy every day. But we can always start over. We can start fresh. You you have to do it for yourself. I'm not saying everyone else is going to give you, you know, the the chances, but you yourself can sit there and go, "Okay, the old me is dead and gone." They're, they're gone. And this is who I'm going to be from now on. And when I finally reached my point, which happened to be April 25th, 2020, a full year later, after I had been living in death, this was, this was my time to restart. I said to myself, you know, Harry's no longer here. He's not with me physically, but I am. And I decided at this present moment that I will continue this path that he has showed me and others that cared for him. And I'm going to do that by living life to the fullest, whether that means by meditating, by exercising, by traveling, learning, even laughing, and most importantly, always growing. Not just giving up and not just saying that's it but still making changes. So when, like I said, April 25th, 2020 came, it was clear that I had been dead for over a year. But on this very day, I was born again. And this time, I decided that I was standing in the ashes of my former self. I was no longer who I used to be. I will not let my past, my, you know, experiences Define who I am as a person. No one wants to be remembered by the worst thing they've ever done. And I didn't. And at that decided it felt so good that I had literally, I was done. It was a fresh start. And that's the point that we need to reach sometimes. Getting to that fresh start. Cleansing yourself of who you used to be. Not allowing anything to continue to bring you down from your past because you still have time while you're alive. And time is really what I got to impress upon you all is the most important thing. It is something you will never get back. It's not replaceable by material objects or anything else. Once these people are gone, they're gone. So the time with our loved ones, our friends, our family, our children, relationships, 
these are the most valuable thing. When you look back over your life, you're going to have regrets, but you're not going to regret not getting a job or, you know, not making enough money or, you know, you missed a a game. You're going to miss the time that you could have spent with the loved ones in your life. And with that, I'm going to wrap things up here. We doubled the length of the episode I would have liked. Um, Just as a side note, this episode is going to be in dedication to, you know, all my family and friends that I've lost along the way, um, especially Harry. Um, And as a side note, every intro into these episodes is going to be the intro from his song, Vibing. Um, And with that, I want to just say thank you, everyone. I appreciate you listening and until next time, I hope you all keep vibing. Mm-hmm.